1: Let's go places.
0: With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the NFL Podcast. Locked it up in a big spot. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I am joined by a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. All right. Big announcement, by the way. Big news. Really? Been working together for a while now. (laughs) And uh, you know what? We hit a certain milestone. Today is our 500th episode.
2: (laughs) Wow, what a party. (laughs) 500, buddy. You made the announcement to me uh, 20 minutes ago.
0: We just found out. <laughs> Thankfully, the the subreddit reminded us that this is episode 500. I think it's fitting. We're just fighting it. I
1: mean, that was a grotesque sound effect, and that seems fitting for what we Listen, typically pump out when it comes to dash, A little slapdash.
0: A little slapdash.
1: Do we all get raises?
0: You got a lollipop.
1: <laughs> oh, sweet.
0: It's a lollipop for you. And a lollipop for you. Thank you. And a lollipop for you, Greg. It's actually an achievement. But you deserve a lollipop. I know. You're only the only one three. that even knew it was 500. It's a little slapdash. I'm telling you. We only got three lollipops today. But um to the fact that none of us a uh, got fired b quit mm. c like moved to some type of hr role d died in 4 years it's an achievement
1: it is and i kind of like the workman like approach to not even know it's the 500th episode just keep Scrinding. grinding
0: on do you guys want to hear what it sounded like our first ever episode oh yeah On uh, uh, july I'm a little afraid. <laughs> On this July- is our
2: fourth season we're ending. Fourth yeah. regular season.
0: On July 24th, 2013, Chris Wessling just just a, what what is it called? A uh, apple in someone's eye? No, that's the apple of someone's eye. What is it a when someone's a, a glimmer in one's eye? Not even part of the show yet. Our first show. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler, colleagues. Uh, You'll notice that we didn't call it the ATL Debate Club because, sadly, it is no more.
2: You called it another edition of the Around the League podcast, but technically, this would be the first edition of the Around the League podcast, even though it's really not much different than the ATL Debate Club.
3: I mean, nothing has changed. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know how far we've come? How far? I was here that day. I drew the short straw. I had to stay in the newsroom and cover news while you guys did the podcast.
0: Yeah, we were on rotation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we called you up. I believe we would take turns not being on the show. That only lasted a week or two. Had to be not last long. Yeah, had to be downstairs in case hot news broke. I. I don't. I I felt like I I was medicated, uh, or maybe I just have developed such affectations now that you don't know who the real Dan is. I think you've grown as a
1: broadcaster. My takeaway, and it's a vengeful one, was that you know, after debate club first episode of the new show, I was immediately bumped to third in line behind Greg, well, the boss, which is outrage and a total outrage.
2: I really set the tone for the next few years with that immediate like jump in and yeah that was correction.
0: Greg was still trying to figure out how to be a boss at that point let's, let's, <laughs> let's face it uh, and that, I think it's only fair we should hear the first show uh, of the four of us okay. which occurred Please. on August 14th 2013 so about four weeks later all four of us together it took that long wow no money Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Room full of heroes here. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, together. and Greg Rosenthal, our boss. Hey, guys, how are you today?
2: Is this the first time all four <laughs> of us and only the four of us have been in for one of these podcasts?
0: I, you might be right. This might we, keep, we always bring up when we have these new permutations, but <laughs> this might be the last one that we had not conquered, and now we have. And I listened for a minute into it. Wes, you didn't say anything for the first minute. Greg, was, again, jumping in there into the domain and saying, "This is this is my crew. I'm going to handle this my way."
3: I was scared to death uh, when we first started doing the podcast <laughs> that I was going to be awful. It was like when I was four years old, and I was scared to death that I'd never learn how to spell or read.
0: <laughs> well, you've done well for yourself, Wes. Um, it so does anyway. feel
1: like you got com- a completely different voice at some point, Dan, or your or your mic <laughs> was very low. or I,
0: Audio issues. I don't, I'm going to put it on whoever the producer was. Oh, That's the right thing yeah. to do. All right. So, we're going to have a, a proper celebration of the show's, uh, if nothing else, incredible duration, um, a little later, maybe in the off-season.
3: I'm just happy I haven't ended up in jail during that span.
0: Yeah, none of us incarcerated. It's been great. It's been a great run. Uh, a lot well, of kids. not that entered. we know of. <laughs> That's true.
3: Right. No, not during that span. <laughs> we'll get to that.
0: Um, so, yeah, down the line, maybe we'll, ha- we'll do something special and we'll, we'll keep you updated if the Shadowy League figures cooperate, uh, but... For now, let's move on to talk about what's going on in the NFL as we approach Week 17 and come out of Week 16. The last time uh, we um, communicated with you via podcast technology, it was uh, <laughs> the night before Christmas. And we recapped all of the Saturday games, but there were four more games played since then. So we're going to hit all those games, talk about them, uh, talk about the big news out of Buffalo uh, regarding Mr. Rex Ryan. And then we're going to have a nice, nice conversation on the MVP race, which is uh, my favorite in a long time. This is a wide open race, race to me as we enter uh, the last week of the regular season, which is when, you, if you're not too familiar with how the voting works, the playoffs are not taken into account. It ends after next week next week's games in terms of uh, the resume. So, we'll talk about that. Nice show. I like it. It's sponsored, of course, as always, by Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands.
1: Mr. F.
0: And let's start with the big news, guys. Out of Buffalo, uh, Rex Ryan has...
1: Whoa, whoa. I what? got a news drop. Hang on.
0: Oh. Really oh. Roll excuse there. me. Mm. Oh. You know, it's a, it's a special show. like a show. rookie. <laughs> Big 500. I just learned that I talk completely differently now than I did three years ago. <laughs> it, everything's changed. Sorry, Sid. What do we got? Let's do some news. Let's go to eat a damn snack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Rex Ryan, no more. The Buffalo Bills said goodbye to the head coach on uh, Tuesday, uh, dismissing both Ryan Ryan, and his brother Rob uh, one game before the end of uh, another dark um, January about to beckon for the Bills, who have not been in the playoffs for 17 years and counting, and Rex has brought in, Chris Wessling, to end that, uh, end that dark period. And instead, it, they seem no closer to the playoffs than they were two years ago, so the Bills made the decision to say goodbye. The right decision?
3: Well, I don't know about that. I think if you are looking for a champion for the city of Buffalo, it's hard to do better than Rex. He draws attention to your franchise. He gets he gets your name out there. People talk about you. I don't know how important that stuff is to you, but who's going to do better than Rex Ryan with this roster? He's ultimately done in, as Greg has said multiple times, by his own defense.
2: I just look at it and think I'm fine with firing Rex. You know, they were 7 and 8. I think they believe their team is better than it is. I mean, to fire a guy after going 15 and 16, you have to believe we were a playoff team, and he blew it. Uh, And his defense is the reason. But I have a problem with firing him and keeping Doug Whaley. That if you're going to make a change, change them both. Doug Whaley was there back in 2010. He wasn't in charge until 2013. So he's been involved in Doug Marone, didn't get along with Doug Marone. Doug Marone ends up leaving because of it. Didn't get along with Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan is forced out because of it. And this guy who has not stocked the roster with very many draft picks
1: stays on. I, I could not agree more. I don't find uh, Doug Whaley to be a particularly captivating individual. It's but behi- on Doug. behind the scenes, he must have a pretty amazing way of capturing the ear of the people around him who are above him because to get through not only multiple coaching regimes, but to have put your reputation on the line by drafting EJ Manuel and have that go as south as it, <laughs> as it did. And then to find out now that part of what they're doing is that Rex Ryan was a champion for Tyrod Taylor behind the scenes, despite, I thought it was pretty lukewarm comments about Tyrod Taylor to the press, that Doug Whaley still wants to find out what they have in EJ Manuel. And yes, it's a money decision too with Tyrod Taylor, but they're going to sit Taylor going into the finale to get another look, in quotes, at E.J. Manuel. It's like, why are we still dealing
0: with this general manager? Why is it always it's, the coach that's thrown out? Some guys every once in a while you come across, and Jeff Fisher was another one of them, one of these Teflon guys that seems to always uh, duck trouble because they, they have, they're have good at relationships with the people above them. I think it carries over probably in every every corner of the business world, including football and the Pagoulas must believe in this guy. He survived an ownership change, too. That's not tough to do. I mean, he was there with the ownership
2: change? Yeah, so,
0: this- you know, I, I I think that it's a situation where you're going to now put him in charge, what we're learning now, of the, finding the next head coach. It's like, oh, I guess then you're going to uh, make sure that they get along, but what if they stink again next year? Are, are you going to then fire the GM and then bring in a GM that's going to want his own coach? You create this issue when you don't bring in the GM and coach at the same time.
3: I agree, and this idea that they have some playoff roster or that they did when Rex got there stems from – Doug Whaley's penchant for clutching E.J. Manuel close to his chest like he's some diamond. (laughs) E.J. Manuel not a franchise quarterback and also the notion that Sammy Watkins, who's on the field for approximately half the Bills games, is a franchise caliber wide receiver. Rex got stuck with both of those guys as Doug Whaley's Darlings, Right. Tyrod's Ty the best quarterback they've had since, at the very least, Drew Bledsoe.
2: Absolutely. Which, which was 13, 14 years ago. And by benching him, you signal to the rest of the league that we have no use for him. And suddenly, I, I wrote about it a couple weeks ago, I thought his contract was very tradable. It, it, I know that he has a big option in it. Ultimately, it's a two-year, $40 million deal if you want to pick it up. I thought another team would give them a draft pick for that, even if they didn't want him. But now forget it. They know that the the Bills are done with Tyrod. They'll just wait for him to
0: cut him. I tweeted earlier today, 29 starts under Rex. And I know Tyrod Taylor is not a perfect quarterback, but there aren't a lot of perfect quarterbacks. 47 total touchdowns and 29 starts, 37 passing, 10 rushing. He leads all quarterbacks in rushing yardage this season, only 12 interceptions. And, you know, then a lot of angry and, you know, bitter and upset Bills fans, which I understand came back and be, you don't get it, you national guy. It's because of the money and they don't want him to get hurt. And it's, it, I get that, but it's also just the type of move like my Jets would make. It's just kind of those moves that was, was sends the wrong message. It, it could lead to a backfire in a trade scenario if you want to try to get value back from the guy. It's just the type of stuff losing franchises do.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to also, if you're Rex Ryan and he's driving around out of the facility down the streets of Buffalo and, his Buffalo, and his Buffalo Bills you know, painted pickup oh truck. Which With his depressing. Bills tattoo somewhere well, on his right, body. Right, which speaks to Wes's point that he was a great marketing, uh, marketing tool for the, for the Bills. But you earlier in the season went out on a limb. You fired Greg Roman to promote your friend, Anthony Lynn, into the play calling spot because you wanted more loyalty in the building. And in the end, it's probably Anthony Lynn who came off very well this season that's going to end up taking your job. That's the NFL. Well, we'll I, that makes some sense to me if Anthony Lynn got promoted.
2: We'll see if they actually, do that. I mean, their running game is number one by far in the league in terms of yards and Tyrod's a big part of that, but when we're talking about Whaley, Tim Graham of the Buffalo News had these stats. The Bills have only 22 of their own draft picks on the active roster, 31 still with the organization. That is dead last in the entire NFL
0: in terms of having Uh, your own draft picks on your team. And that 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 says says it. That that says says it. He's a bad GM and they're sticking with him. And and I think, Wes, you said it, that he was done in by his defense. I'll also say, as someone that's tracked Rex very closely for years, he was done in by his own ego, in my opinion. I thought after the Jets job finally ended, after the five seasons, it, you know, he jumped at the Bills job. He didn't have a lot of options. And I think, in retrospect, it's easy to say now, but maybe he should have taken the year off, done some TV, done whatever, and then find a nice mm. spot. But he always, the white whale that was the Belichick Tom Brady, tandem was never going to allow him to truly find real success and he he took that bill's job looking to take on belichick and R- brady after they basically kicked his ass for five years with the exclusion of one playoff game
1: came very close to you know getting or wanting the atlanta falcons job too and i'm sure the falcons are not disappointed with the choice they made today
0: all right so rex out we'll find out who's next um
2: so weird too because if if the if Bubba Franks, as I want to call him, uh, Andrew Franks misses that field goal, <laughs> right. probably the best field goal of the year. The Bills are still,
1: you know, in the playoff mix. It's if sti- I you know what correct. though? Still, it still feels like Rex was gone, though. I think it's something going yeah. on with the GM's inability to get along with any coach for more than seven hundred days.
0: I mean, what what was the deal with my voice? Is it is it a better broadcaster situation, or have I lost touch with what I actually said? I wouldn't
1: deny that, but I think the I think the audio uh, is better and that speaks to Sydney. I think that yeah that's you know that's okay.
2: part of it. But it, there's probably a little bit of like, hey, you're a little more aware, hey, this is for broadcast, I'm gonna put on a little more uh pizzazz.
0: I don't feel good about
2: <laughs> what? it. For for Alex I mean? Wilk
3: being thrown under the
0: bus. Yeah, Wilk died. It was our first producer ever. A very capable gentleman, doing well. I don't, think, I don't well think it has
2: anything to I, do with. I sounded the my annoying nasally voice sounded the exact same.
1: I mean, we were essentially <laughs> doing the show with with zero sign off from our bosses above Greg, so we were probably had an, air, an aura of being yeah, yeah. a little petrified yeah. that we were even attempting
0: to do it. That's true. And again, you know, some of that stuff with Greg, you could tell he's really trying to exert his will and authority. That's over That's true. It's probably <laughs> behind the scenes trying to get rid of you. I'm jumping yeah. in
2: because you never know. If the ball's there, you got it. Someone's got to take it.
0: All right, let's get into some of the football games that we uh, did not cover on Christmas Eve, uh, starting with a little Monday Night Football. <music> Monday Night Football. It's a historic game. Well, it wasn't that historic, but. It was an exciting one, at least in the first half. The Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions slugging it out um, through the first two quarters, 21-21 at the break. But then the Dallas Cowboys just turned it on, once again showing how special they can be when everything's humming. And they, they were having a lot of fun. And then it all was capped, of course, by Des Bryant, throwing that lefty throw. Prescott under center. And there's the reverse... To Bryant, he throws a reverse pass to the end zone. Touchdown to Witten. Des Bryant with a touchdown pass to Jason Witten. And Witten throws up the X. I've been waiting for them to let Des Bryant throw the ball for about six years. Brad Sham. Sham God. K-R-L-D. Final score, 42-21. Chris Wessling, another special night for the now 13-2 Dallas Cowboys.
3: It was the most touchdowns they scored all year. It was their triplets all starring in this game. It was as Greg Rosenthal said, and when NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal speaks, yeah. you listen. Mm.
1: No, it can't be. Oh. That's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal.
3: <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. I mean the female energy surrounding Greg is just it's intense. I, it's scary.
0: And I don't want to be I don't want to talk out of school or be disrespectful, but Uh, We lost Carrie Fisher today. We just lost George Michael. Rule of threes. You're a pretty big celebrity. I just say watch out. (laughs) Whoa! I'm just saying watch out. Be careful. Okay, let's get back to the
3: game. When NFL Network's Greg says that Dak Prescott had his best game of the season, you listen. And I thought Dak – Jerry Jones also had a great point that You know, Bill Pullian's legacy, Hall of Famer, but the ridiculous notion that you have to rest your stars late in the season. No, Jerry Jones says these guys are still getting better. They're improving. Dak Prescott and Des Bryant found their rapport last night, and that's something that's been missing from their offense most of the season. Dak and des that was the best connection they showed all year. I was so impressed with the Cowboys, certainly in the
2: second half of that game, the offense the whole game. To me, it shows a level of maturity, I think, to be able to hammer a playoff caliber type of team in a game that theoretically means nothing to me, that bodes really well for this team's maturity and the ability to stay sharp during the bye week and whatever happens here in week 17. I I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was it was the maybe even the first time I was like, oh well, maybe the Cowboys really are just gonna go to the Super Bowl.
1: Agree with you, and I I liked watching Dak Prescott scan the Lions' defense and say, we've got Johnson Botamosi, a former Browns special teamer who essentially never started a game for the Browns. I'm going to go at him time and again. And it was successful. And I, I don't know what other test Dak Prescott needs yeah. to pass at this point. I love also Jason Garrett. The other night I put him as the number one guy I would pick for coach of the year and I was getting absolutely destroyed by people on Twitter for Why? that. Why? Why would I he be destroyed? I, for because that? it's because it's you're throwing it out to people who are fans of other teams and that's where it starts. But He's really but he, steered them through past some potholes absolutely. too. Absolutely. He has handled I think a, a variety of really tough situations with absolute class and skill and the Cowboys it's not a smoke and mirrors operation they look like an absolute powerhouse at the right time
0: and now let's look at the Lions and and we've talked about this for a couple weeks now that they were in danger here even at 9 and 4 now here they are 9 and 6 the schedule didn't go their way and they weren't able to uh, provide the the efforts to get victories including just kind of laying down in the second half that's a bad job there and now they got the Packers in week 17 and they could be in, in, in uh, one of those franchises that have a lot of Sad stories about them. Nine and four to out of the playoffs would be a real painful one. And I see it happening, Greg. I don't want to be negative, but I see it happening. Well, they'll know before the game starts whether they're the wild card or not, whether
2: they can be because the Redskins play early. If the Redskins blow that game against the Giants, Both may- those teams are- maybe the Lions back back their way in. Who knows? It doesn't have quite the do or die feeling. I'd be worried about them because it's such an offense-first team, but they're not an explosive offense.
3: Matthew Stafford has zero or one touchdowns
2: seven times in his last nine games. Wow. And and looking, I'm like, when did they go down the field last night? Did they? I don't remember many attempts. And then I, I look, and their biggest play is a 21-yard play. So they have one play over 20 yards. Teams forced them to go up and down the field. And John Gruden, who I think is underrated at this point. In oh, terms Gruden's of, good. Of pointing good, good. out great good. technical changes, pointed out how Rod Marinelli went to three down linemen, a dime defense, just backed everyone up. And it's like, they didn't have any answer for that.
1: Well, I- you're basically saying, okay, Zach Center a guy that most people have never heard of before last night. You had a nice first half. You can either stick with that and try to come at us, but you're not (laughs) going to throw the ball down the field on us. And Dallas' defense is susceptible. You could see the Falcons having a field day against Dallas in the right circumstance, but they're very well coached. You could also also, see Dallas having a field day with the Falcons' defense. Absolutely. That's why you think maybe that matchup in the playoffs is the one we want to see because it could be a classic shootout. It's all offense if you think about
2: the best teams in the league right now. Because we've been joking all year there's no good – number one defense, and it's
0: kind of true. All the best teams are the the offenses that are there every week. Speaking of John Gruden, I'd like to slightly unhinged rant about uh, making offensive (laughs) linemen – fantasy point uh, I gathers. loved it that was I fun. think those
1: color guys they know that if they study offensive linemen all week that they're going to come in with knowledge that 19 out of 20 football viewers could
0: never even 19 touch. out of 20
1: <laughs> well <laughs> 19,000 99 sure. 100
0: yeah uh, all right let's move on let's check out what happened on Christmas Eve in Houston
1: 43 yard attempt between the hashes for Randy Bullock Huber will hold snap is down
0: Bullock's kick is up it's got the leg and it's no good the Texans win. Houston wins the AFC South with a 12-10 victory over the Bengals. Missed field goal at the buzzer, and the Texans are the AFC South champions. Can't have Randy Bullock around. Mark Vandermeer, K I L T, that killed. Is that Scottish?
1: Well, I don't think intentionally, but. I don't know who they're who, – you know, they're in what? They're in Houston? Seems like a terrible How
0: many marketing. Scottish people are yeah, you? Are seems you? like a
1: terrible marketing ploy in Texas.
0: 94.7. That killed. Vandermeer's Dutch. Okay, that's good. Anyway, you know, uh, did anyone in this room think Randy Bullock was going to make that kick? No.
3: How no. many people he's, in that stadium were like, oh, great, we got fat Randy back. He's going to blow it. He, you know,
0: he's big-boned Randy. Let's not be mean. Oh, sorry. Uh, but he had no chance uh, of making that kick, and, he, of course, he missed it. Stuttered <laughs> on his way up to the ball like Charlie Brown. I don't want to be mean <laughs> to the guy. We already called him fat. But it's like uh, that was the difference in a 12-10 win. And uh, speaking of backing in, it allowed the Houston Texans to move to 9-6. and six, Uh and win the AFC South, uh, a game in which uh, um, Greg Rosenthal, Tom Savage, maybe didn't uh, light up the the field like we were hoping to you make think? Houston exciting. He
2: he didn't. And what what a fitting way for this lousy division to be won on a Randy Bullock missed kick. <laughs> you know, Tom Savage did some did lead them to three scoring drives in the second half when they absolutely need it. They were okay in the second half when they went to a hurry-up. He didn't show a lot, but he also didn't make big-time mistakes. You didn't see crazy bad throws. You didn't see interceptions and fumbles. This is a defense-first team, and, you know, Alfred Blue running into the line, you know, two-yard gain, two-yard gain, then it's third and six every time. It's a terrible team to watch. I wish they didn't make the playoffs. But I still give Savage some,
1: some hope. Is well, that's nice, Greg. Uh, be, be, <laughs> what are you? What, wait, wait, you, wait. what you're going to give up on him because of one what, play-by-play guy is a mediocre. Oh, Van Sunday, night, <laughs> Sunday what? night. What is what? happening? Oh. It's get like a cavalcade of sounds from every calm,
0: microphone. Comment it down. It, what, was it actually branded Sunday Night Football? Was that? Are we throwing the flag on Sydney there? Wait, this no, game it happened on Saturday. No, it was this, this, this was was, Saturday. This was uh oh, This was Thursday Night Football on
2: Saturday. Yeah.
1: Well, I give the I give their play-by-play <laughs> Personal guy. Falcet. Some amount of credit for feigning excitement that the Texans have won any sort of a title. Oh this come season. on! Okay, so I'm supposed to tell you that this is a fantastic team to shuttle into January. Well, they're
2: January. excited. and oh. Clowney,
1: Whitney Merciless. You know, they're I, excited to make the playoffs. Mark, you sound
3: like the Brian guy who got shouted down in the press conference by Bill O'Brien. Thank Listen, you.
1: Brian, we won the division. We won the division, Brian. And you know what? You can you can say you did, and that's that's good for you. And you're going to be ejector seated out of the playoffs <laughs> as quickly as possible, just
0: like last year. Most likely, most likely. But you know, I think and it was a, kind of a fitting end to a, a Cincinnati season that was kind of a – they always found a way to lose games, and, and at 5-9-1, and one, that's exactly what their record should be. I think Houston – yeah, I can't make I the mean, case that Houston is a player. I do well, I feel
1: like it. at some point Marvin Lewis, when he realized this year was, was out of scope for them, dialed up Bill O'Brien and just said, you take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when,
2: when is Marvin Lewis or his entire coaching tree going to learn – don't run up the middle with 45 seconds left to set up like long field goals for their lousy field goal ticker kickers. Yeah.
3: Well, even Tex- my drops are, ha-
1: even my drops are interrupted it, by
3: Greg. It's been happening for <laughs> 10 years. Texans crappy quarterbacks own the Cincinnati Bengals. They have for years starting with TJ Yates, mm. Matt Schaub, all of them own the Bengals. Th- there was a
2: there's a headline after this game I know we got to move on where it said, you know, Texans still don't know what they have in Tom Savage. Well, yeah, no 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 no, you know what. I mean, of course they don't know what they have. They wouldn't know what they had if he played well or not. I think he's shown a little
1: something. I do like that Greg Top is, is making this point real. emphatically with a with a multicolored lollipop in his hand. <laughs> I, it's, it's very hard to take seriously.
0: Um and by the way, Wes, you for many years West of us was Cincinnati's first playoff loss, uh first round playoff loss. You've you've tinkered with the idea of making Houston uh that, that pick this year. Are you can have a little fun with the Texans uh, playoff? playoffs? West of this um, Texans go out. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna bloody allow, Mary's I'm not uh, gonna
3: allow that stain on my holiday. Oh wow <laughs>
0: Okay. <laughs> the Texans? No. Alright bro. I'm no, done.
3: this is a Cincinnati thing.
0: Let's move on to Christmas night and not a Merry Christmas for the defending champions. Hill's going to get it. Transition. Left side sweep. Gets two blocks at the 35. Uses that speed. 40, 45. cuts it back. 25, 40. And ankle tackle missed. 25, 10, 5. Touchdown. A 70-yard run. Tyreek Hill. Touchdown, Kansas City. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with jet propulsion. <laughs> what? Mitch Holdis, KC FX. Let's put that Sydney in the running for the balls. No. calls. Oh yeah, it no. was topical. It, it had a little fun, a little mirth. I'm in. That was the worst call since blunt it was force fun. trauma. It was re-
3: no, no, no. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with Dan on this one. Sorry. Never Come on,
0: Grinch. No, Grinch. That in the run maroon.
3: had nothing to do with Rudolph the Red nosed
0: Reindeer. So. All right, here we go.
3: It's about me.
0: Tyreek Hill <laughs> went nuts again. A 70 yard touchdown run. And then you got oh look at this Travis Kelsey an 80 yard touchdown catch the Denver Broncos can't stop anybody on the ground giving up 230 yard 238 yards uh, of rushing in a 33-10 beatdown that ends their season Denver Broncos go from Super Bowl champions to out of the playoffs at eight and seven one of the big disappointments of the year and Mark Sessler uh, is that I mean we've been saying this I feel like for 14 months now when are we going to start respecting the Chiefs this was a desperate champion on the ropes and they said forget you, you're done.
1: Yeah, I mean outside of being a a second uh, game on Christmas that compelled my four-year-old to come up to me and say, just go to your office. Oh. Uh, it was a very rough moment.
0: Yeah, uh, he really? seems to understand With that.
2: With that tone of voice too? Uh, I feel like Colton is uh, a nicer
1: guy than Colton that. had a little bite to him at that point, but <laughs> I will
2: Father, say Father,
0: just go to the office already. <laughs>
1: yes, I, I could not help but watch this and say that many of my previous um, you know, slashes at the Chiefs so that, yeah, you're going to win games 19-17, to 17, you're going to be hard on the eyes, and you're going to get taken out by some team on the road in the playoffs, if they were ever able to achieve home, like a, a buy and, and to grab that and maybe go into New England. With the way that their offense is playing at this point, much of the critique that I had of the Kansas City Chiefs has evaporated. They're fun to watch. That field, that stadium was utterly on fire that night, and they showed
3: that they can be explosive. Well, I think Tyreek Hill is a guy who flips the field and can do that in any game. He, you can you can be playing a close game, and all of a sudden he takes one to the house. But also, Travis Kelsey has emerged as probably the best tight end in the NFL without Gronk. He has more yards, double more yards after catch the catch than any other tight end. And also, this is just a great matchup for him. The Broncos have no one who can cover Travis I Kelsey. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs swept the Broncos and the Raiders. And...
2: A few of those games were convincing. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. Their formula is not too different than the Patriots, really, especially the Patriots of old. Turnover margin, uh, starting with that situational football, some ex- a few explosive plays mixed in. This was a game to put up 484 yards. I'm not surprised they the defense played well, but to put up 484 yards on Denver is. It's, hard to, it's almost hard to believe that they pulled it. I
1: out. mean, I wonder, too, if it's part of what's happening with Denver's defense this late in the year. They were that that seamless transition from the Super Bowl defense to this year's young, early season version. But to crumble under the weight of an offense that can, can't stay on the field, you can't run the ball and, and sustain drives and, and eat up yeah. the clock, that your defenses keep doing it over and over. And when you're on the road and you're dealing with a more explosive Chiefs team than they're used to, the floor starts
0: to fall out. Wes, uh, do you recall? You know, I went down and did my studies. Your on, findings? On my findings on defending uh, all-time defenses. You can't. It, you don't run it back. These teams don't run it back. They, they were not capable of it. And Malik Jackson, uh, that's a major issue that they weren't able to plug in. And John Elway has work to do, let's face it. I mean, we can get into the Denver situation down the Which road. Which you
2: love. Their
3: defense, though,
0: wasn't love, really any
2: yeah. better or worse than they were in the regular season last year. This was an offense. Well, they allowed offense, 50
3: more rushing yards per game. They're a
2: bad defense team, aren't they? They, they allowed
0: 50 more rushing yards per game. They are a pretty bad
2: run defense, but overall they're the top pass defense in the league. If if their offense was competent, and Simeon, who we've liked, he, he he caved in a little bit the last few weeks under the weight of all the people around
1: him. I think all these AFC West quarterbacks that go into camp Kansas City, find out this is the toughest place to play.
0: I know you guys love Trevor Simeon, but you can't totally let him off the hook. Now, the last two weeks, these have been some terrible games.
3: But you also can't judge him when he's got no offensive line and no running game.
0: No, I mean, that's why John Elway, personnel maestro, has got work to do.
3: Yeah, I also think that they
1: found someone that if he's not on Denver's roster, Trevor Simeon is going to be in the league for another decade and it won't maybe be maybe as a, a backup no, i'm not or saying he's a, a full-fledged starter, starter but but he's been well developed and i think what, what what we say watching his games is that he's he's been surprisingly
0: good
3: have you been watching game of thrones over the holidays
0: no, I actually distanced myself from that show. So I watch <laughs> it in real time, and then every episode ends, I say, I hate the show. It's I pain- it was it. a painful uh,
3: slog. The yeah. way you threw in the maestro there, I thought maybe it was <laughs> like a, a vestige of your, your Game of Thrones watching.
0: All right, let's check out the other game on Christmas, this one in Pittsburgh, and another division Trailer's decider.
2: Gun, Steelers trailing by three, second and goal at the four. He's
0: back. He pumps throws it over the middle the pass He's is in. caught in. he got He's to in. the goal A touchdown touchdown Pittsburgh nine seconds left and Antonio Brown wills himself across the shot you gotta be kidding me <laughs> that's Bill Hillgrove and Tunch Ilkin of WDVE yeah, boy. Antonio Brown's touchdown uh, with seconds to play decided this game, and it it was as dramatic as it gets because if he gets brought down at the goal line, the Steelers probably run out of time, and they lose the game, and we have the Ravens and Steelers going into Week 17 tied, but because Antonio Brown, he said, that's why do those extra reps, reached over the goal line, touchdown 31-27 final, the Steelers. Oh, we locked it up. I locked it up. Here's another lollipop.
2: I get, Yeah, you deserve a second one. That means we went four for four here. Four for week. four for
0: the second time. We in are weeks. on fire as a group. And I believe 11 out of our last 12. A little delayed locks. gratification there. A little bit. A little That's bit. good.
2: That's good. It's kind of like saving a present, you know, for a few days after mm. Christmas. You'll appreciate it more. Good uh, parallel.
0: So another great game and, and what is one of the better rivalries in football and the Ravens, um, Chris Wessling uh, just could not close the deal to get this thing to Week 17.
3: If you go back to the days of Bobby Lane and Johnny Unitas with the start of great quarterback play and two-minute drills, every executive, every coach in the league from 1960 through now will tell you that quarterbacks – are ultimately judged on third downs, red zone, and close and late situations. And I think Ben Roethlisberger puts as much of a scare into defenses as any any quarterback in the league in those situations. He has more game-winning drives than any quarterback since he entered the league in 2004. And you saw that magic there with three touchdowns in the fourth quarter against a very good defense. I think also
1: by the fact that he's done it so much that they cut away to him on the sideline as the Ravens were driving and scoring – You know, you go to younger quarterbacks and you can see the fear slash concern slash mystery in their eyes. With Big Ben, it was like, we've done this. We'll do it again. I certainly have a better offense than I've ever been with before.
0: You could even hear it in Bill Hillgrove's voice, the (laughs) play-by-play guy. These Steelers have been through all the wars, and there's not going to be any panic. And
2: and this game... I'd have a hard time imagining Ben Roethlisberger has had a more magical fourth quarter in his life. This, to me, was the best game of the entire season. I was thinking that midway through the third quarter when it was still ugly because it just felt like a playoff game and the hitting and the drama and the tension was there. And then the fourth quarter was obviously wild. I mean, after he threw the second interception, it was good... Uh, complimentary football. They immediately stopped the Ravens. You know, the Steelers' defense was not bad in this game. They stopped the Ravens. The The Steelers' next three drives, five plays, 75 yards, touchdowns, two and a half minutes, a 90-yard drive in two and a half minutes, and then a 75-yard touchdown drive in a minute against what we thought was one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, the Ravens' defense had this division in their hands, mm. and
1: they basically just just gave it away. They they were no match. I think you could throw some of that best offense, best defense out the window when these two teams play. Because yes, it pains me as a a Browns fan to say it, but to me, this is the number one rivalry in the NFL. It delivers every time, and I agree. The Greg best game of the year, Dallas Pittsburgh was close, but this
3: was there was more at stake, and it felt like a playoff game. You hear people say all the time that you judge a successful draft class. If they have three starters come out of that class, the Steelers' first three draft picks of 2016 are already three of their most important players on their defense: Artie Burns, Sean Davis, and Javon Hargrave Mm. at nose tackle. Javon Hargrave has been one of their best players on defense in the second half of the season. I
1: mean, well, I would say Baltimore has to be given a similar grade though for drafting the beginnings of another great defense. And the only shame for the Ravens is we finally saw this team achieve balance on offense. A good game, and now they're gone. I would take the Ravens over the Texans in a New York second. Right, that's the, break. that's
2: the thing. If, if, if Brown gets pushed back a half yard there and the Ravens make wind up making the play, I mean, they're a dangerous team. And, and I, I read some you know, reports saying they've never seen a locker room about as devastated and down in a, for a regular season game because that was, that was, it was just as close as it can be. I'm not familiar. New York
0: second, I'm not familiar. Not
1: sure what that is. A little bit quicker than a New York minute. Yeah. Equal, an equally <laughs> tired
0: phrase, though. By the way, best game of the season, uh, easy week week fourteen, Jets Niners (laughs) OT baby.
3: (laughs) Didn't Don was a big comeback. Didn't Don Henley have a
0: song called a New York? Yes, he did. He did. He did. It was a. It was a. uh, It was not. It was not my
1: intention to bring attention back to all those things either. Uh, Sorry, apologize.
0: One more note. I. I'm. I'm. Obviously, I'm very down about the Patriots being so good this season and the AFC uh, being watered down, but. It hurts Derek Carr and the Raiders are no longer in the mix here. Uh, but, okay, I'll talk myself a little bit into the Chiefs and the Steelers here. Maybe one of those teams. Those are good teams. Those aren't
2: those are To make the AFC teams. playoffs
0: worth watching.
2: I mean, if you look at it most years, are they really worse than the second and third best teams most years? They're
1: good teams. I'd say even with those Landry teams. Jones on the field when Pittsburgh played New England back earlier in the season, that there were moments where that offense, even with Landry Jones – was damaging New England's defense and came close in that game before New England just did what it wanted well, as to do a with a Patriots like fan. Blunt.
2: Right, as a Patriots fan, I would much rather see the Chiefs. I don't play them. No, because I, I know I know they're Forget they're good, that. but I'm just I think a, a, the right quarterback could just put forty points on them. I'm dying to watch a Steelers
3: Patriots game right now. That would be fun football.
0: Let's hope so. I just worry on the road that the Patriots put up forty four points. And Big Ben does his best, but he throws a couple picks. Gets hurt in the second Gets quarter. Gets hurt. Oh, a total injury! First quarter, blows out his calf, slipping in the end zone or something. Yeah.
3: Landry Jones comes in. Well, you can't control it. We Tries can. to wear a flannel uniform for the first time in NFL history.
0: <laughs> uh, those are the. Uh, those are all the games from Week 16. Uh, let's move on.
1: I wanted to bring up something. Uh, I had a. F- I don't know who it is. Someone, a, s- a friend who knows who Greg is. Oh, mm. um, from his, he de- described him or herself as a person from Greg's past, uh, and and also described a need for justice and wanted to wow. share with me. You uh, can put the
2: everything that's coming up. Just put it in air quotes.
1: No, just <laughs> listen. this. This is essentially just, let's let's What was listen. sent to me on a on a a shred of notebook paper, a weathered shred of notebook paper, a diary entry from apparently Greg's diary way back in <laughs> oh, 1998.
0: Yeah. Kept the diary, huh? <laughs> You can answer for yourself
1: after. It's dated August 3rd, 1998. It says, Dear Diary, Hmm. sorry I haven't written in a while. To be honest, I haven't had much time for journaling and scrapbooking due to my checking account nearly fizzling up in late July. Looking for a quick fix, I spoke with my able benefactor, Mr. Mr. Edward Peppersmith, who pointed me in the direction of the Pell Family Farm in nearby Summers, Connecticut. Desperately needing cash, I drove to the Pell family estates the following morn with my letter of introduction from Mr. Peppersmith, who ensured in writing that I was an honest worker with an active driver's license. The Pells put me right to work as a strawberry delivery boy, (laughs) dropping off my wares to eateries and food plazas up and down the Northeast Corridor. My new employ was a dream come true. The only blip on the radar... Diary came three days ago when I mistakenly mowed down a young family of four enjoying oh, oh. a morning bike ride in East Windsor, Connecticut. Yikes. I didn't mean to hit them, per se, but I was blasting <laughs> 1998's new hit song, Are You Jimmy Ray? by Jimmy Ray, <laughs> while feeling my oats behind the wheel. Suddenly, see I had four dead bodies and a tangle of bicycle parts to deal with. To make a long story short diary, I pulled my strawberry truck off to the side of the road and hastily buried all four bodies in a nearby dirt lot. Today, I have just $270 to my name, but I must find a way to get off the grid until the temperature cools here in northern Connecticut. The state cops are buzzing about looking for four missing whites, and I don't need to be here when those bodies are found. (laughs) If only there was a foreign land I could escape to, a place where my funds would blast through the winter and the whiskey would flow. Sign up for Mr. Flame's high school economics class Ah. in The Hague, the Netherlands, today at www.flameclass.com. Mr. F.
0: Just like I'm going to give Greg, I'm going to give Sydney the same advice, uh, or give you the same advice I gave Sydney, when you're talking about federal crimes. (laughs) Uh, and especially yours, which is capital, uh, capital murder uh, in the first degree, or maybe second degree if you've got a good lawyer, manslaughter. You just don't, go, you don't put it on paper. You don't put it on text. You don't put it on paper.
2: He was young. Well, I- you know, if I was a lawyer defending myself against these crimes, I think the first question I would ask whoever wrote that, because I don't think it was me, uh, would be, when does strawberry season last in New England? When does it last? In the uh, greater... Barry Mason over here. Connecticut area. Because the way I remember my strawberry job was it was a little bit, you know, you start in May. And you're pretty much blown out of the water by July, mid-July. Th- those strawberries aren't ripe by the time it's uh, oh! August. Probably Those bodies are ripe Probably and they're on someone else's
1: hands. Probably would open up just ah! another can of worms about the Pell family farm zap freezing fruit and trying <laughs> to sell it to people, much less not essentially getting you off but putting them in the
3: guilty ring. I have to question the <laughs> wisdom of you advising Mr. F to eight, eight aid in a bed Uh, A known felon. Not advising
1: him to, simply asking.
0: This show is in trouble. (laughs) Let's move on and talk about the MVP race, Uh, and it is a spirited one. What a race. I mean, you could make a case. You can make a real case uh, for, I would say, five to six individuals, and there are only four of us. So what we did was we each uh, took to the defense or offense uh, in trying to make the case for an MVP winner in the NFL uh, this season. And we will start with Mark Sessler uh, and you will make the case for a running back, Ezekiel. El.
1: Wow. I'm going first here, huh? Yeah. Well, I, you know, to pull back the curtain, when we have our little organizational meetings and we say, let's, you know, come up with some MVP candidates, it's, it's a little bit tired for us to all pitch the same guy. And right out of the gate, <laughs> my three people in the room here with me snatched up quarterbacks. But I will pitch Ezekiel Elliott, and I will do it with pride because okay. I I find it a little bit tiresome that these narrative-driven awards are so often centered around quarterbacks. Now, quarterback is the most important position in football. That's not the argument. I'm going to try to uh, take yeah, you down that on got that one. But Ezekiel Elliott, to me, the Dallas Cowboys – would not be anywhere where they are without Ezekiel Elliott absolutely energizing that offense and looking to me like one of the best running backs of our lifetime. A a game-changing, scenery-changing, franchise franchise-changing player that is going to make the Dallas Cowboys the centerpiece of national television, of playoff races, of the NFC East for the next seven to eight years, if not more. I don't know what more a player at his position – and now listen, he can do a little bit more in the last week. He could break Eric Dickerson's running rushing record, rookie rushing record, if he wants to, if he can get there, if they give him the shot. I don't care if he does that or not. The Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC right now, and he is the reason why.
0: Four years ago, Adrian Peterson won the MVP, and he did it in a season in which Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdowns. And the reason he got it is because he ran for 2,000 yards. And that's really the only way I think you're going to get the MVP as a running back in today's football is that you have to have a historic season. And maybe he does by breaking that rookie rushing record. But uh, I still think the because of the quarterback's importance, he, he has to be above and beyond even next-level superstar stuff. It has to be legendary season status like AP in 2012. That's why I don't vote for him. But that is, that is it's fair. It's an uphill climb, granted. I, I think he has a real chance at it. I, I do, and maybe
2: he's not going to break the rookie rushing record, most likely, unless they just you know run run him crazy next week, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But I, I think all the I think all the guys were pitching here, and Derek Carr, who were not spoiler alert, they're all going to get votes, and I, I think Zeke's got a chance because they're kind of the sexy sexy team.
0: Wes, your thoughts?
3: I would have no problem with Ezekiel Elliott getting the MVP award. I feel like. Between Matt Ryan, who to me is the prohibitive favorite, Tom Brady, mm. Aaron Rodgers, and Ezekiel Elliott, I would have no problem with any of those four winning the award in a year where Matt Ryan should be the favorite, but he's not viewed as the favorite.
0: Well, why Why not? So you're going with Matt Ryan.
3: I'm going with Matt Ryan, and, and to be honest, this is the easiest guy to defend on this list, or it's the easiest case to make. Uh, let me let the listeners in on a little secret here. Big media and big NFL would have you know that there are only eight franchises worth covering in the NFL. <laughs> the two New York teams, the Packers, the Steelers, the Patriots, the Broncos, Seahawks. That's about it. When the Falcons do anything, it doesn't matter. Matt Ryan should have been the MVP front runner from September on. He's been the most consistent quarterback, driving the best offense in the NFL all season long, a historically great offense. He is the Steph Curry of the NFL right now. He distributes the ball. 13, first player in NFL history to throw passes to 13 different receivers for touchdowns, and 10 of those receivers have caught two touchdowns. He has the highest DVOA on short passes as well as bombs. He has the highest yards per attempt average in NFL history for a quarterback with 400 attempts. Mm. And he's been so consistent that during their 4-1 start, the Falcons averaged 35 points. During their worst stretch where they went 3-4, and four, his offense averaged 30.1 points, and during the most recent stretch where they went 3-0, and they averaged 38.7 points. He has been a metronome. At no point has this offense been bad. Only five quarterbacks ever have averaged 300 yards per game and a 110 passer rating. Every single one of them has won MVP mm. or finished second to the guy who, who also had those numbers in a season. The only reason he's not leading the league in yards and touchdowns right now he leads in every, every, almost every percentage category. And the only reason he doesn't lead in those is because his offense has been too good. They haven't had enough drives because they score too easily and too quickly. They have the fewest drives ending in a punt and turnover, and they also are the only team with half of its drives ending in a score. Is the biggest stumbling
1: block for a guy like Matt Ryan, who plays in the NFC South for the Atlanta Falcons, that aren't on television much and are rarely featured, the fact that a lot of people who vote for these awards – don't get on Game Pass and watch every team every week. They watch just nationally televised games or whatever or less, comes to them, or at less, games. or less. So it's a lack of exposure. Where if you look at a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, he's he's going to be on what seven straight national primetime games at some point here. Yeah,
0: maybe? he's an extre- uh, extreme case. I will just I'm going to throw a little cold water on the who's Matt Ryan. We don't understand a society who Matt Ryan is. Football is the biggest sport in this country. It's a huge national sport, even even if you're uh, in a not a huge market. Which, by the way, Atlanta is not a small market. And I think, especially with fantasy, where Matt Ryan has been a superstar this year, everyone plays fantasy. Well, so Matt Ryan's not under the radar. Is it more than
1: what he people thought Matt Ryan in was in the past? People thought I, Matt Ryan's boring. Atlanta, the Falcons are boring. Atlanta and is a
3: small it. market in the NFL. It is, and
2: and I think part of the problem, though, you know, we doesn't talked it to, matter though. Green we've Bay is about, a tiny
0: market. We've There's talked market
2: about stuff. not by the NFL, not right. by the Way it's covered. I think that's true. And I think it's just bad luck that he hasn't had that MVP moment. He hasn't had those big games in the national stage and the ones that he's had. And this is why I I think he would be a totally worthy uh, candidate. And I would have no problem with anyone that votes for him, especially because he's played four more games than Brady. They have had chances to win games late in some of their biggest games, and they haven't done it. You know, the Chiefs game, he had a chance to win late. He didn't do it. That The Chargers game, they blew a 17-point lead. The, the Seahawks game, he played really well in that game, but they did get the ball back with a chance to get a field goal, and he didn't get it. And then a lot of his great play of late has been on those games that are kind of buried against some bad teams. And so he hasn't had those that big-time memorable moment. And that that does hold a little bit of weight weight to me in terms of the close games.
3: One last point on people who would bring up Julio Jones carrying the offense. Matt Ryan not targeting Julio Jones this season. These are his numbers. 74% completion rate, 122 passer rating, 29 to 3 TD to INT ratio. He's been even better not throwing to Julio Jones. His numbers without Julio are better than any MVP candidate's. Total numbers.
0: Tremendous season by Matt Ryan, uh, but my my choice. And Mark, you've talked about one of the things that annoys you about award season is that it's narrative driven in a lot of ways. Well, it is. And, and Wes is touching on that as well uh, with uh, in terms of markets and exposure. Well, here's the guy that I'm going to talk about that matches being a phenomenal uh, quarterback, the greatest player in the NFL, playing right now at the height of his powers when it matters the most, and having the narrative to match. You know what that narrative is? November 24th, 2016. The Green Bay Packers are 4-6. and six. The team's a total mess. The backfield is in tatters. The receivers can't get separation. Aaron Rodgers is pressing. Uh, he's not playing at his best. And when everything seems like it's about to crumble to the ground, he says this.
3: I feel like we can run the table. I really do. I just feel like it just takes one. If we get one under our belts, things might start rolling for us, and we can run the table.
0: And what happened? They have run the table. Five straight wins. And during that five-game winning streak, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's thrown for almost 1,400 yards. He's completing 71% of his passes. His pass rating is 120. And uh, his numbers are outrageous, even with that slow start. He's uh, at 40 touchdowns now total for the season. And I'll give you a little history. He's won the MVP twice. Uh, He's thrown – he's had 40 total touchdowns in three separate seasons – 2001, he had 45, won the MVP. 2014, he had 40, won MVP. 2012, he had 43, and that was that aforementioned amazing Peterson-Manning season, so it got buried. So he's having, at least in terms of touchdown production alone, uh, there are a lot of other metrics to measure how great this guy is. He's right there with his greatest seasons, and I think... I think the Lions are dead in week 17. I think he's going to keep rolling. They're going to win the division, go 10 and six. So I so I look at a guy that has taken a team that maybe wasn't the best Packers team he had, and has taken him into the stratosphere uh, at, at the at the best possible time. And I think they have a deep run in them in the playoffs uh, potentially. That doesn't factor in here, but it's because an all time player is playing at uh, at at his highest level right now.
3: Aaron Rodgers is playing better than any quarterback currently in December. He has dragged his team to the brink of the playoffs, but the other 3 months
0: count too. Which but he wasn't terrible in those months. No, it was and really a couple it was a, a couple bad game.
2: games. It was a couple It was more
3: than a couple bad
2: games. Right, it was he was up and down, but he had a couple games that were way worse than anything that Ryan or Brady really put up. He had a couple stinkers no put, doubt. put up this year where he was a big part of the problem, and and you mentioned week seventeen. That's a huge factor. I, I think the last statement here is going to be in people's mind, and so if they didn't win that game, forget it.
1: Oh, he's not going to have right. any not chance. A and if, well, and it's not the if, MVP if they lose. That right. Game. If Brady or
2: Ryan, for whatever reason, had a terrible week seventeen, and they blew their chance at a one seed in the case of the Patriots or a buy in case of the Falcons, that'll be that'll be a factor too. And I, we we
0: said on this podcast when things were going poorly that Aaron Rodgers is saddled with a team that, other than good line play, had receivers that weren't getting open and had a running game where guys weren't getting healthy. And usually, most quarterbacks, well, that's it. The season's over. I don't have a good uh, team around me. And what did he do? He, I think he willed this team back to greatness. I agree with
1: that, and Wes, I agree with what you said about how the earlier part of the year absolutely matters for Aaron Rodgers, except that I would say that you're probably, uh, you would be, if you had a vote in this, you would be thinking more diligently than plenty of other people who vote for this award, (laughs) and in their minds, it's not to slash the other voters, but I think we've seen weird stuff happen year after year with the voting, that Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, this rock-solid god, and all they need to see is what's happened over the last month and a half to power them voting for, A, a quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers would be an easy fit.
3: This is all also underselling what Jordy Nelson has done. Since he got back to 2014 form, he's also driving this offense. He is to Mm. Rodgers what Gronk has been to Brady. But anyone who's going to get an MVP award, part of it is what's around you,
1: who's around you, the chemistry of the team. So they all have star players around them. You're not going to have an MVP on a terrible 2-14 team, or you
0: shouldn't. One last note before I throw it to Greg every week Aaron Rodgers is making a play that nobody else can make in the league. He's, uh, it's Agreed. Been, He's got more it's wow plays. has been a fun ride.
2: He's got more wow plays. Go ahead, Greg. Well, Last one. I mean, it's it's kind uh, of obvious okay. where, where I'm going to go okay. here, but I don't think it's a hard case to make for uh, Bo Tom, Wilkerson. for Tom Brady. Well. Tom Brady, I think, is having the best season of his career other than 2007. Uh, his QBR is right about the same as 2007. You watch him, and I, what he does that I don't think Matt Ryan or maybe any quarterback practically ever does, he is a coach on the field. He is figuring out problems in games where you see that they're struggling with some things. He, he's a big part of the reason that they adjust. Ryan's got all the, the stats, but but Brady's stats are, are outrageous too. He's got the best touchdown interception in the league, 25-2. to two. That's his best in his career. He has the fewest interceptions he's ever thrown. Uh, Per pass, Uh, his QBR is as high as it's ever been. And when I watch him every week uh, for the QB index and I do these little scores and it's kind of cockamamie or whatever, he is the one that's he's pretty far ahead of the pack and i and i know there's you know a chance there's some bias in there but he he has a the highest floor he doesn't have those bad games and he does have those amazing games and he had that moment against baltimore on a monday night game a big moment that i think people will remember so he, he has a little a little bit of everything and i look at pro football focus who grades every single play and they have him despite missing the four games pretty far ahead of the pack too and and when i watch the games and just basing it on what is his average game. To me, Brady is ahead of Ryan, that he's doing more to help his team win than Ryan, and they're close. I think Brady and Ryan, to me, are 1A, 1B, and Elliott is just behind.
1: Does it help Brady that, unlike in past years, when you lose Rob Gronkowski, the offense hasn't significantly fallen off? In fact, it doesn't matter who's around Tom Brady. You could argue that of all these candidates, he's got the least real bona fide game-changing weapons around him.
0: Does it hurt Tom Brady that they went three and one without him?
3: I hate that. Well, that. I don't care about the record. That's such a small sample size, and you would have to take each game as its own. Well, the offense—I
2: mean, they also got shut
3: out without
2: him. The the offense—you know—the numbers on offense are. At, you know far far higher since he came yeah. back they they did, did a good job winning The those better games. argument
3: is he just flat out missed those games and right. there's a precedent for this Joe Montana is the only one to win the MVP award while missing three or four three or more games he missed 3 and he blew every other quarterback out of the water in that 1988 season i believe or 89 was when they were just a f- absolute He had powerhouse. a one 12 passer rating, 70 completion rate in an era where you just didn't see anything approaching those numbers. Tom Brady isn't that much better than, than Matt Ryan if at all. And and I think the other thing is Tom Brady's schedule that he's faced for pass defenses is so much easier than Matt Ryan's schedule as to be a major factor. The four games is is tough to get past and which is which is
2: why I wouldn't, you know, argue with anyone that that puts puts Ryan in there. I would argue, though, that that his consistency and how good those 12 games have been is still better. You know, that he's the best player at the best position and might be on the best team.
0: You know, Give it to him. You know, I think, obviously, I was wrong about Brady. He's just as good, if not better, this season. And He could decline he in Week have,
1: 17, Dan.
0: Well, watch out for the playoffs. Remember <laughs> remember what happened in the playoffs last year? He looked like I a 45-year-old man. Uh, but... He doesn't have the numbers uh, if for for some people. If you if you're if he's going to finish, let's say with twenty six or twenty seven touchdowns, um, and I know there's other numbers to look at, but when the voters go and they see the other guys have forty touchdowns and have better you know uh, cum- cumulative stats, I think that will hurt him in the in the vote. Whether that's fair or not, I, I'm not saying it yeah, is. I think but. you're right. 25. He's had some games. He's had three games. He had one game where he didn't throw a touchdown. He had another game when he had one. If he if he had another five or six touchdowns, I feel like his case would be stronger. That's, that's not fair, that's, but I see that. Part of that, like you cited
3: Rodgers leading the NFL in touchdowns. Big part of this because they have no running game, so he has to throw in the red zone. But Garrett Blunt leads the NFL in touchdowns, so they're going to run for more short touchdowns than other teams. I mean, that's why you – it it's – uh, it's not fair that that the people who vote for these awards don't watch the games; they just rely on stats. I,
2: I really like adjusted yards per attempt, where Matt Ryan does great, and that's kind of yards per attempt plus it includes it kind of interceptions in the mix. And this is the second best season of his career, and it's very close to 2007 for Tom Brady. So that's that's the kind of level he's been. Well, at. looking Votes for back, this, by the way?
1: Well, I think it's 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 Pro Football Writers of America. It's Associated right? Press.
2: Associated it, Press. It's um it's. It's like a guy in each city. And some city. offshoots, though. Yeah, it's a guy. It's more or less a guy in each city, and then a lot of national guys. Like, I remember when I was at NBC, Bob Costas had a vote. Costo! And, uh, you know, like Chris. I don't
1: think he's watching a lot of Game Pass. Chris on a Berman
2: weekend. has a vote, I remember, because I saw the list once, and I know Tom Curran, for instance, has like the Boston area vote. So it's like one guy in each city plus. Plus a bunch of national guys. We need a new
3: system.
1: Wes, you mentioned, so Montana won it at 89 and 90. Steve Young for the 49ers then won it in 92 and 94. That is a six-year stretch where if you were a 49ers fan, your quarterback (laughs) won the MVP four times in six years.
3: That's a throne of ease before a throne of ease. It's also a testament to Bill Walsh being 20 years ahead of the rest of the NFL. All right. Yep, well, some of that came under the coach after him, but you're right.
0: It is George Seifert.
3: Yeah, but that was, that was Bill Walsh's offense. The West Coast that it took a lot of people a lot of years to catch up. Well,
1: I think even George Seifert would admit that he took over, you know, a raging, you know, Super Bowl headed team full of stars. Good
0: Seifert talk. Enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: All right, that's how that's the how George I, Seifert podcast
2: coming later in the offseason. That was the whole plan. The 500th episode, we'd finally <laughs> unleash our Seifert. <laughs> <takes>. <laughs> <laughs> our Seifert takes.
1: Yep. Well, we just begun. It's now Seifert
2: we get to hot the, takes. Now after the break, Seifert's Carolina years.
0: I never, I never trust. A coach, or really anyone that wears the glasses that have the tint to them, always a little creepy to me.
1: Well, wait, yeah. Greg has those glasses. Well, that was oh, an absolute <laughs> shot. You, you know Greg. that
2: Greg no, has those I glasses. I forgot that,
0: about that, but Greg, do you admit when you wear those glasses that get darker in the sun that you look a little creepy? Well, it's go-
2: not, I, it wasn't really on purpose. I don't wear them outside <laughs> because of it. And uh, I was getting the glasses, and it was part of you know the insurance plan. They're just like, "Well, you want the thing where it turns darker, and it's free." And I was like, "Well, it's free. I guess it'd it's be crazy free, but not costly. to take it." And I've been counting the days. I don't even have any new glasses killer glasses. I don't I'll even wear them anymore.
0: It's gonna. You know what? It's going to. Uh, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> All right. Five hundred episodes in the can. Thank you to everyone who's been. I know there have been people out there. That not only listen to all the episodes, they've listened to episodes multiple times. We get those tweets a lot. Those, I got to say, we get so much great positive feedback. We get some criticism as well. F you guys. But we get some positive (laughs) feedback, a lot of positive feedback. And the one that really is my favorite one to get is when somebody says, I'm listening to Thursday's podcast for the third time. And that wows me. It floors me. It's like, wow, uh, we're doing something right. So thank you to everyone that's been along for the ride. Even if you just got here. Even if you've been show 472 to 500, we like you too. Do we like you as much?
2: No. Tell, uh, a, f- tell like- a few friends about it or you know, tweet about it, and then we'll like you as much.
1: Conditions. It's conditional.
3: <laughs> I like all of you except Chiefs fans. Oh,
0: <laughs> Just, ready, ready. That be just fine. That's it. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and finally, yes, we will try to maybe celebrate this in a proper way a little later uh, with the help of some shadowy league figures. We'll see what we can do. But thanks to the shadowy league figure popped in here for a few minutes watching over
2: us. I don't know if you noticed what was going on. Uh,
0: you know what? Speaking of shadowy league figures, thank you to Mark Brady, who's been with us uh, and, and really has done, done his best to help our show grow. It's been, uh, it's been a great Great ride, and let's hope 500 more. I don't know. That feels extreme, but like, like 50, <laughs> what are you saying? 50 to 100 more. 50 <laughs> takes us to roughly <laughs> mid-March. I think we're week by week. <laughs> Everything's week by week. All right, that's it. This is uh, what's wrong, Greg. I want to do 500 more. I don't know about you. Okay, we'll come see. on. We'll see. Uh, until what is today? Today Tuesday. is Tuesday. Until Thursday. Yeah, we're doing another show on Thursday. This is Dan Hansa signing off. 4 The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, and New Money Behind the Glass. 500 baby.
1: nerf herders!
2: Visit 80 to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.